Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Are you kidding me? You are looking live. Winning cures everything. Now for your hosts, Gary and Chris. Welcome in. Winning cures everything. It is the Thursday, June 9th edition of the show. I am, of course, your host, Gary Seegers. You can follow me on Twitter at GaryWCE. I uh, want to go ahead and start off the show, let everybody know that there is construction going on outside of my office. So if you hear something in the background, I am using a dynamic mic. You shouldn't hear too much of it. But if you hear something, that's what's going on. Uh, no way to avoid it as of right now. They're working on an elevator. So uh, let's dive into today's topics. We will run through everything that we need to. We are, of course, hitting on the Sun Belt East and uh, and going to talk a little recruiting, a few other things. So we'll uh, we'll see what we got. So uh, quite a bit to jump into. First things first. CJ Carr, CJ Carr, announcing uh, later on this evening. As a matter of fact, uh, probably about the time that this show goes live, he'll be announcing. And all of the crystal balls, of course, two four seven does that. But the crystal balls are headed towards Notre Dame. C.J. Carr, of course, uh, grandson of legendary Michigan coach Lloyd Carr. Everybody kind of assumed that he was going to go to Michigan. All the family ties are there, et cetera. He is based in Michigan. And instead, the Wolverines don't land him. And it appears that it's going to be Notre Dame that gets him. Now, this changes a whole lot of different stuff. Uh, C.J. Carr is number 23 in the 2024 class. He is a five-star quarterback. Big-time goods. Uh, you listen to Bud Elliott talk about him. He's He's got all the tools. So it looks like he's going to be a home run get for Marcus Freeman and the Irish. But uh, but that also changes a few things, right? Because everybody just kind of thought uh, that Notre Dame was the leader for Dante Moore, who is uh, one of the five-star quarterbacks in the 2023 class. And we don't know exactly what's going to happen there now. Uh, does this mean that Dante Moore is now leaning towards Michigan Still some questions about that as well, right? Michigan and Notre Dame both 
uh, somewhat tied in on CJ Carr, Dante Moore, and then 2024 number two overall player, uh, five-star quarterback, Jaden Davis. So what exactly does this mean? Uh, We're going to have to wait and see, I suppose. I don't think that Notre Dame will stop uh, going after Dante Moore. The way that the transfer portal works, etc., obviously you want to get as many good players on campus as you can, and then you'll sort it out later. That Georgia does this, Alabama does this, etc. The cream rises to the top. It doesn't really matter the ranking. But in this situation, does Dante Moore decide, eh, I don't want to get there for a year, maybe not start, and then lose out on a job and have to transfer? We'll see. Right? It all depends on whether or not these kids want the competition when they arrive at these places or if they don't. And I I find it a little tricky uh, what they're going to actually end up doing here. So Dante Moore, of course, down to, not down to, but he, he could still reasonably go to LSU, Oregon, Michigan or Notre Dame, Penn State or Texas A&M. Those are the warmest ones on his trail right now. And A&M is a, a recent one that he's kind of warmed up to. Uh, And I can understand it. I mean, you hear all the stuff that's going on in College Station, I could certainly understand why he would be listening to them as well. But I I would have to... I guess my initial reaction was that Dante Moore would be going to Michigan. I don't know that that's the case now. I really don't. Uh, if, If I were him, I would look very heavily at LSU. You were already somewhat interested in Notre Dame, right? Everybody thought that Notre Dame was the favorite. But if you're not going to go to Notre Dame, why not go to the place or to the coach where the Notre Dame system was built, right? And I understand Marcus Freeman and whatnot uh, is really, really good at recruiting, but Brian Kelly has that Notre Dame system at a place that attracts more talent. I mean, let's just be honest here. So... I, I would look for Dante Moore to maybe look at SEC schools a little more. Uh, Jaden Davis, that's the one that I assume Michigan is going to land. We don't know what's going to happen with J.J. McCarthy this year. It, it's very interesting, interesting situation. I will certainly say that. Let's jump off of that one. Let's dive into the Big Ten meetings. And we will, let's see, go on and toss this up on the screen here. Da-da-da. All right, so... The Big Ten and, of course, Fox and all of these different TV networks are meeting this week to go over their deals. And I would not imagine that we're going to hear any kind of an announcement this week. I think that we will get those once we get into July for media days. But looking at the list of people that are interested in the Big Ten media rights, they're meeting with Amazon, CBS, NBC, ESPN, And then, of course, there is Warner Brothers Discovery, which has bought out Turner Sports, and Apple. Those two are expected to be dark horses on this. I would not expect them to be involved here. Remember, Fox is going to get the the biggest part of this package. But interesting article out of SI today. Richard Johnson, who is over at Split Zone Duo, he had a very interesting take on this. Possibly giving, you know, CBS a Big Ten game for their afternoon slot. Fox, of course, will still take the biggest ones, but give CBS a Big Ten game in the afternoon, and then NBC would take a Big Ten night game. And there are massive properties in the Big Ten. 
Splitting them between three different broadcast companies is an interesting concept. My question here was, are the smaller brands worth enough to CBS and NBC for them to actually put big money into this? And with the money that Fox is already giving them, you don't have to have a lot from those. But does CBS want their national broadcast, their main game, to be something along the lines of Wisconsin and Northwestern? Is that what they want? Because if you're CBS, you can't just dock that over to CBS Sports Network or, or whatever. You can't just dock that somewhere else. You only have a limited number of games that you can choose from because Fox is going to take the biggest one. Now, saying that, do they end up implementing some kind of thing, some kind of clause in the contract the same way that CBS and ESPN do, where in the SEC, one team cannot be on CBS more than five times a year? Okay, (laughs) maybe they do something along those lines. But I'm curious what they end up doing here. Uh, Regardless, the the deal is going to be worth more than a billion dollars a year. Uh, It's going to be huge. And then, of course, the SECs, once all that stuff gets done with Texas and Oklahoma, that is going to dwarf this. That's my assumption. Not dwarf. Maybe a bad choice of words. But... I would imagine that the SEC's is going to be bigger. Uh, All the different valuations, all the different things going on out there right now show that the SEC will be pulling in about $117 million, $118 million per team per season. And in this one, uh, the Big Ten will be pulling in, you know, over $100 million per school, somewhere around there. So I'm I'm curious about this one as well. Uh, If I'm Apple... Do I really want to get tied up in this to get minor brands? Like, do I want Northwestern and Illinois? I I don't know. I don't know. So, if the same can be said for NBC. Like, if you can guarantee that CBS and, uh, let's see, CBS and NBC, we'll, we'll say that those two are the lead ones. If you can guarantee each one of those, Michigan or Penn State, right? If Fox takes Ohio State then CBS has to get Michigan, and NBC has to get Penn State. Then around and around each different week, right? Then one week, Fox takes Penn State. The next week, uh, CBS gets Ohio State, and then Michigan goes to NBC. Something like that. If you can guarantee that the biggest brands get on these different properties and they are in primetime spots, maybe it's worth it. I just I don't know exactly how much a Michigan-Indiana game is worth or Penn State Northwestern, right? Penn State Illinois. What is that worth? We'll see. We'll see. Is that worth having a solo national broadcast on CBS and NBC? I don't know. I don't know. But we will find out. We will see what happens with that. I'm sure that you may be able to hear the uh, the construction going on (laughs) in my office now. Uh, Let's dive into this next topic that I did want to spend just a few minutes on before we get into the Sunbelt East previews. And that would be that college sports teams are now heading into the streaming universe. They are starting their own streaming channels. And I don't know that this is a terrible idea, right? Now, we already know that the market is saturated when it comes to streaming services. You've got everything from Hulu and Disney Plus and Netflix and HBO Max and Paramount 
and blah, 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 blah. It just goes on and on and on, right? Peacock is out there for WWE fans and Notre Dame fans and et cetera. But for each individual team, they are trying to get together their own streaming platforms to make a little bit of extra money. Now, when you look at the teams that have already announced, right? LSU, Arkansas, Notre Dame, Clemson, Maryland, Oklahoma State, etc. Uh, they are starting their own, and it ranges anywhere from $5 a month to $9 a month. As far as content goes, old games, old interviews, uh, different radio shows. You can start your own radio network. You can start your own TV shows, right? That's so many different places have content, much like ours. We talk about everything when it comes to football and, uh, and some of these other sports. But all of these different athletic programs have more than just football. Now, it will be mostly football fans that tune in for this. You're not going to get any live coverage because all of those third-party media rights are done. The SEC, right, LSU and Arkansas are on this list. Their third-party media rights are already sold out. ESPN owns all of that. So all of the live stuff goes over to ESPN, whether it's ESPN+, Plus, uh, SEC Network, ABC, blah, 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 blah. All of those are done, but when it comes to your own in-house products, talking about the team, uh, your own coaches' shows, your uh, different things that you can do, right? You can, uh, Ole Miss has done a really good job of this. Ole Miss put together something called The Season, right? Where they have behind the scenes for every game, etc. You could get it on YouTube. It was very easy to access. You put that behind a paywall, maybe you've got some people that are interested in that. Think about the millions of people that are fans of these schools that might be willing to part with $5 a month up to $9 a month, depending on the school. Uh, let me put it up on the screen here. LSU Gold is a premium subscription content service. Uh, this says in here, beginning August 1st, Gold will be available to stream on mobile devices, desktop and laptop computers, and over-the-top streaming platforms like Roku, Apple TV, Android TV, Amazon Fire TV. Now, it says unrivaled content, unprecedented access. What exactly is that? Uh, it's very strange. The director of athletics, Scott Woodward, said, Through the launch of our subscription content network, LSU Gold, and the convergence of our creative talents in South Stadium Productions, LSU Athletics is taking the next step to ensure we continue to leave the nation in innovative, engaging storytelling. We are excited to offer our fans a subscription service to connect them closer to the teams they love, and we are confident the team we are assembling and the infrastructure we are building will help us further engage the most passionate fans in the country and take the already iconic LSU brand to new heights. Uh, this says it's going to be built entirely on content and expanded access to award-winning features. It says fans will still be able to enjoy LSU's already existing menu of content for free at lsusports.net and on social media. But it says unprecedented access to every team on campus, a perfect platform to tell stories of our talented student-athletes and accomplished staff, etc., my guess, now looking at the numbers, right, I've gone through this. When you're looking at just $5 a month, LSU's is supposed to be 9 But if you look at $5 a month, say you've got 25,000 subscribers, right? That's $125,000 a month, which equals to $1.5 million per year if it were $5 a month. $1.5 million a year, you could, you could front this thing, hire staff and whatnot, fund it for a full year for $300,000, $400,000.
then you're talking about $900,000 worth of profit, right? Now, when you look at LSU's, who is charging $9 per month, that comes out to $2.7 million per year if you can get 25,000 subscribers per month. Very interesting. It's just another revenue spot. It's just another way for people to support their team. And I would choose to believe that there is going to be at least 25,000 people that will sign up for each of these individual teams' content map, right? They will, they will find a way to bring in more people and make something that is riveting. And this is a perfect way to do it. If you were just going to toss it out on YouTube, are the ad dollars really worth it? I don't know. But if you're bringing in $125,000, you know, for $5 per person per month, maybe then it's worth it. And then you've already got a team on staff. And this is all pointing, by the way, to something that I have been discussing on the show here and there multiple times. Are we going to get to a point where everything is on streaming? Where everything, all of these teams, if there are no conferences, if there's no da 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 there's no big-time TV deal would the networks have to go to each individual team? Well, if each individual team already has their own infrastructure set up to be able to stream their own games, to be able to do their own stuff, that's what I'm curious about. That's what I want to know. I want to know, is this going to lead to that? Are you going to have to buy each individual team's home games to be able to watch the games? And we'll see. Now, my my guess was that most of those would be pay-per-view, etc., but who knows? Who freaking knows? This is, this is crazy. Uh, it is certainly nuts. All right, let me let me do some reads here, and write down my time. Of course, keep up with where we're at. The website is winningcureseverything.com. You can find everything that you need to know about us right over there. So go ahead and knock that out. Go over to winningcureseverything.com. It'll tell you where you need to subscribe, etc. And since we're talking about subscribing. Make sure that you are subscribed, of course, on the podcast. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, etc. Whatever your favorite podcast app is, that's going to be the place for you to download this podcast. So please go ahead and do that. Tell your friends about it, all that. And while you're at it, leave a nice five-star review. You can leave a written one on Apple or just click that five-star button on Spotify. That helps us out a ton, a ton. These algorithms are so crazy. They're confusing. But you click that five-star and it will help get us out in front of more college football and NFL fans. So, along with that, the YouTube channel. Algorithm works the same way. You give us a like, you jump into the comments, you hit that subscribe button, etc. That helps. Also, actually watching the whole video. That helps us out a lot as well. So, go ahead and do that too. Uh, hit, hit one of the videos and just let it play. Just let it roll. That would certainly help us out. But yeah, jump into the comments, jump into the chat. We love to hear your opinions uh, I try and reply to as many of them as we can. Of course, we have a lot of people that are commenting, but that certainly helps. That is one way to support. You don't have to spend money on this show. All we ask is that you like and subscribe and comment. Go ahead and do that. On top of that, you can always see my smiling mug over at BetUSTV.com. That is your one-stop shop for all of your how-to gambling content, along with all of the different sports that they are covering over there. I mean, we're talking golf, we're talking horse racing, tennis, you know, whatever in this crazy offseason that's going on. Uh, but once we get into football season, I mean, it's a whole different deal, right? I host the BetUS College Football Show. Uh, there is, of course, the BetUS NFL Show. 
There's the baseball show going on right now. Our buddy TJ hosts the boxing show and the college basketball show. There's just a lot to do over there. So go ahead and check those out over at BetUSTV.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Now, we move into the Sun Belt East predictions and previews. And we got a lot to discuss. Uh, this is a just incredibly difficult division. I, I don't think you're going to see anybody dominate this division this season. We'll go ahead and start off with the App State Mountaineers, Appalachian State. And, whew, this bunch, they, are, they were really good last year. Really, really good. But they were led by their defense a lot last season. Uh, they lose wide receiver Corey Sutton. They lose offensive lineman Bear Hunter, uh, which was just an awesome name. Just an awesome name. Defensive end Demetrius Taylor was awesome. DeMarco Jackson was awesome. Quarterback Sean Jolly was awesome. Those guys are all gone. When you look at what's going on with their postgame win expectancy, they, they went 10-4 and four last year. They lost the bowl game, right? They went 10 and 3 in the regular season. They really probably should have been 11 and 2. And projected SP plus this year is 8 and 4. And that's about where I've got them. We'll get to that here in just a minute. They were number 9 in PPA margin last year. That is really good. They were number 30 in offensive PPA per drive. That is predicted points added per drive and number 16 on defense. That is a really really good margin. That is a sign of an elite team. However, when you look at the numbers here, turnover margin, number 90, and penalties per game was number 66. The penalties per game, totally understandable. When you have an aggressive defense, you're going to get stuff like that. Uh, when you have an aggressive offense, as they did last year, which is one of the reasons why they were so good, is the offense actually became somewhat explosive. But when you, the penalties per game is fine. It's the turnover margin. And we've talked about this with Chase Bryce before. You remember when he was at Duke the season before last through turnovers, through interceptions like crazy. And it's not that he was awful last year. It's just it was too much to be able to deal with what was going on, which is why they were projected to have won at least one more game in the regular season than they did. So it's kind of a mess there. Looking at the offense, 
Chase Bryce is back. Uh, but his top three wide receivers are gone. Only one wide receiver returns that caught more than five passes. They got four seniors on the offensive line, so that's good. But you got to hope that that run game can improve because they were number 76 in rushing success rate last year. You got to improve that. App State has always been better at running the football than they were last year. It was just, it was kind of a mess. Uh, with that said, the running backs, People and Noel, uh, they return. Uh, the passing game was the key last year. They need the wide receiver, Christian Wells, and, of course, incoming transfers to be able to step up here. It's, it's just a little, eh, I don't know, I don't know exactly what to say. Um, I think the offense will be okay. Having the signal caller back definitely helps, regardless of the turnover situation and all that. But, and, of course, having four starting offensive linemen helps. But you weren't very good at running the football last year, and now you got a whole new crop of skill players. That's going to be interesting. That's going to be interesting. On the defense, you got nine players back with 300-plus snaps. Uh, linebackers Hampton and Harrington combined for 27 tackles for loss last year. Cornerback Stephen Jones had five interceptions. You do have key pieces. The problem is you've only got 58% returning production. That is number 86 in the country. It does help that you've got those nine guys that are experienced, but again, you've got pieces here. Can the whole defense gel and continue to run what Sean Clark wants him to do on defense? That's what I'm curious about. Uh, the key is to the season that I've got here. Stop turning the football over. I already talked about that. It, again, they should have been 11-2 and two last year, and they ended up 10-3. and three. They need the wide receivers to develop quickly if they want to maintain what they were doing last year. The, the explosive offense took them to a whole new level. Like, that's what I'm curious about. I, I want to know what this team looks like this season when you don't have Sutton, when you don't have uh, all of those other playmakers. What, what is this offense going to look like? Are they going to be able to improve that running game? Because that is what they have leaned on in the past. So I would expect eh, about 8-4 and four for this team. I like App State. I think they're going to be pretty good. 8-4 and four looks reasonable to me. Uh, you know, going bowling again, maybe can win this conference or maybe win this division. I mean, maybe the conference. I don't know. This is a really difficult conference. But regardless, App State looks to be still in pretty good shape. Just a few holes here and there, but I think you could say that for everybody in the Sun Belt East, or maybe just the Sun Belt in general. All right. The Georgia State Panthers. Now, this is Sean Ellis's bunch. Going to pull them up on the screen here. Went 8-5 and five last year. Uh, during the regular season, their post-game win expectancy looked to be 7.8 and 4.2. That is pretty good. Pretty good considering how they started out. They opened 1-4. and four, They finished 7-1. and one. Uh, Their non-conference was ridiculous. It looks pretty ridiculous again this year, uh, especially with opening at South Carolina, and then you got North Carolina coming in. North Carolina, by the way, why would you do this to yourself? North Carolina scheduled uh, App State and Georgia State. Back-to-back to open the season. I mean, just, just absurd, especially when you were losing Sam Howell as your quarterback. But regardless, we'll see. We'll see. Let's, let's talk about the offense here. Uh, by the way, returning production here for Georgia State, number four in the country, bringing back 85% of their offense. Uh, not offense, excuse me, of their team. Number 11 on offense, number four on defense. They're bringing back 84% of the offense, 87% of the defense. This is a team, like I said, that finished 7-1. and one. To close out last year, Sean Ellis has done a pretty awesome job 
with, you know, this little old program right outside of Atlanta, or right in Atlanta, we'll say that. Uh, let's talk about the offense. Trent McKnight is the new offensive coordinator. He was the wide receivers coach. Uh, Brad Glenn, the offensive coordinator, left for Virginia Tech. They brought in another guy. He left for a job at Louisville. You know, whatever. Trent McKnight at least knows what is going on with this offense. I would look for them to continue on the same trajectory that they were last year. They bring back Darren Granger, the quarterback. Now, he, they've got four starting offensive linemen back as well. they got the running back, Tucker Gregg, back. Two starting wide receivers uh, for an offense that averaged over six yards per play in their last eight games of the regular season. That is pretty good. That's pretty good. Now, as efficient as the offense was, they were not great when it came to explosive plays. Their success rate was really, really good. Uh, rushing success rate number 20, passing success rate number 40, but number 109 in explosive play rate on offense. And, excuse me, number 123 uh, in explosive play rate on offense. They're number 72 in 10-plus yards, 10-plus-yard uh, plays, and number 85 in 30-plus-yard plays. They've got to be more explosive this year, especially if they want to come out of the gate hot. Because three of your first four are at South Carolina, North Carolina, and then against Coastal Carolina. And then, oh, by the way, they do host Charlotte in there, and we know that Will Healy's bunch can be a pain in the rear end. So that along with you got a trip to Army right after that. I mean, your first five games are pretty damn difficult. Looking at the defense, uh, Nate Fikua is the new defense or is the defense coordinator, has been there for a long time. This is the same as the offense here. The, the defense, <laughs> I said the numbers backwards earlier. Uh, on offense, rushing success rate was number 23. Passing success rate was number 20. On defense, rushing success rate is number 20. Passing success rate allowed is number 40. Uh, you're number 109 in explosive play rate allowed. That ain't good. Number 79 in 10-plus yard plays. Number 73 in 20-plus yard plays. You've got to stop the big plays on defense. It's going to kill you every time. Everything else looked perfectly fine. Turnover margin, number 29. Uh, the, the penalties per game, number 39. Like, this was a good team, and they moved fast, too. They, they averaged the number 23 total plays per game in the country. This is a good football team. It just took them a little while to get rolling. Do they take as long this year to get rolling? Do you come out of the gate 1-4 and four again? That wouldn't, nobody wants that. Uh, the rest of the schedule is pretty manageable. I mean, you've got a lot of road games, but regardless, it is what it is. You, you've got some good teams here. Well, I guess my question is, can McKnight continue the offensive efficiency and find a way to be more explosive? Uh, if so, like this team is certainly a championship contender in the Sun Belt. I think this team could be really, really good. Uh, as a matter of fact, I've only got them with one conference loss. Like I think they're really good. I, I've got them at 8-4, and four, but that's because I've got a loss to Army, I've got a loss to North Carolina, I've got a loss to South Carolina. They could win any of those games. This team could be 10-2. and two. They could be 11-1. and one. I don't see them going undefeated because... I mean, this is a hell of a schedule. Uh, they, they bring back 16 starters. This was a really good team last year. I've got a lot of faith in them to be good again. But again, that non-conference schedule, just brutal. Just brutal. So, 8-4 and four for them as well. Uh, if you go by the records and whatnot, I mean, I've got them winning the division. I've got them winning the division. I've got them sitting there at 7-1 uh, and one in the conference. So, we'll see. We'll see what happens. All right, we're going to move on to the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. Of course, this is one of Chris's favorites. We all love Jamie Chadwell. He came on the show with us last season. 
They uh, or no, I guess two years ago when all the COVID stuff was going on. But fantastic, fantastic coach, sexy style of offense. It, he he does the option, but a lot more passing, very accurate passing, and he does it fairly regularly. They still run the ball, you know, more than a sixty to forty clip, but really fun team. This team, however, I know they're bringing back quarterback Grayson McCall, and that's certainly good. You want your signal caller back, but they're number twenty or number one twenty-two in returning production, forty-eight percent. It's number ninety-two on offense, number one twenty-five on defense. That defense, while they weren't great last year, uh, they were number fifty-one in PPA per drive allowed. They were still good enough that they went ten and two, and then of course went to the bowl game. You you can't afford a drop off in that spot. I know that the offense is good. Uh, PPA per drive was number two in the country last year. Their PPA margin was number three. That's how good the offense was. But on offense, again, you are missing a ton of guys. I mean, this team lost 15 starters from last year's team. Uh, Everything does revolve around the quarterback, Grayson McCall, talking about the offense now. But who are the playmakers? The running back, Jones. The wide receiver, Hilai. I hope I say that right. Healy. Um, And then the tight end, Isaiah Likely. Three offensive line starters are gone as well. Like, those guys are all gone. Who is going to step up to be the playmakers here? Obviously, when you have a Grayson McCall, you can make playmakers. You, your quarterback can make guys good. We saw that with Tom Brady all those years that he was at New England. Uh, Chadwell's offense is still going to be a lot of fun. Option principles, deadly accurate passing. It's almost impossible to stop. But again, was this just a ton of talent that all seemed to develop at the same time? And then they finally found the right signal callers? Or, yeah, I, I mean, can they develop? That's what I'm curious about. On defense, uh, they, they've made major upgrades the last couple of seasons, but what do they look like with only 41% returning production? That's what I'm curious about. Potential star power, defensive end Josiah Stewart, cornerback Strong and Boykin, only 102 snaps returning at linebacker, and one of those guys had 90 of them. That's not good. You don't have really any experience. Uh, can the defense gel early is the question here. I'm not certain yet. <laughs> it just... I just don't know. Uh, the keys to this season here, I've got develop the offensive line and establish new playmakers, which should theoretically be easier because, of course, again, quarterback uh, McCall is back. Defense has pieces, uh, but number 125 on returning production is not good. Seven total transfers came in, five on defense. They only brought in one linebacker transfer, and, I mean, it wasn't exactly a big name. So uh, the question I've got, of course, for this season is Jamie Chadwell a lifer here because of the type of offense that he runs, which is, to me, the sexy option? Is anybody going to be willing to hire him because of all the negative stigma that has revolved around somebody running the option? He is showing you that you can do it and pass the ball and still be a really fun football team, but I think he's also shown that you have to have the right quarterback. you got to have the right guy, but I think you're, you're seeing that across the country. If you're going to win in college football, you got to have the right quarterback. They are worth so much to programs now. And Grayson McCall is the fact that he came back and didn't transfer. Uh, I believe he could have gone to the NFL this year. He put out that statement about him pissing teal and whatnot. I, this is just a fun team to root for. I've got him at eight and four again. I my some of this might be bias. Now I don't think that they are going to be very good in conference. I've got them losing 
three games in conference. Uh, I've also got them losing at Virginia in the non-con. So I don't think they're going to be great in conference. But still, 8-4 and four is 8-4. and four. And if you can do that three straight years at Coastal Carolina, why could you not do that somewhere else? That's my question. I'm, I'm interested what this team looks like because the returning production is not great. Do you have enough depth? Do you, was this just uh, the stars all aligned for Coastal Carolina or you know, over the last two years? Or is this something that can continue? Is it something that can be built? It's not just a flash in the pan. It's not just a, a strike of lightning. Moving on from there, the Georgia Southern Eagles and Clay Helton's bunch. That's a, it is officially Clay Helton's bunch. We're not talking Trojans here. We are talking the Eagles went 3-9 and nine last year. Now, Clay Helton, of course, was not here last year. He was in between jobs. He got fired early at USC, took this job early, and has kind of started things. And he started the ball rolling pretty quickly by picking up that four-star running back uh, recruit. Like, that's definitely, definitely good. And that's Terrence Gibbs, by the way. Uh, looking at these numbers, they're number 35 in returning production. I don't know what that means, though, because this is a triple option team that is switching over to more of a pro style. Georgia Southern went 3-9 and nine last year. Their post-game win expectancy said that they probably should have been 4-8. and eight. But again, they fired Chad Lunsford early last season. What do, what do these numbers even mean? You were number 116 in PPA margin, number 109 in net points per drive, number 116 in offensive predicted points added per drive. You were number 101 in defensive predicted points added per drive. None of this makes any sense. Number 116 in turnover margin, number 49 in penalties per game. I, but I don't know what any of that means heading into this season. Looking at the offense, the new offensive coordinator, Brian Ellis, was the co-OC at Western Kentucky last year. He and uh, uh, Zach, I forget the guy's name off my, off my head, Zach Kitley, I believe it is, who went to Texas Tech, they were the guys that were running Western uh, Kentucky's offense last year. And, of course, they were throwing the ball all over the place with Bailey Zapp. Are they going to be able to do the same thing here? You know, I think that when you swap from the triple, obviously transfers can speed up that process. They bring in quarterback Kyle Ventrese from Buffalo, who was pretty good, pretty good pro-style quarterback, especially under Lance Leipold. Wasn't great under Mari Slingas last year. But uh, the wide receiver Singleton from Houston, I think he's going to help. He's speedy. He's good. Uh, is used to more of a pro-style. But what about the offensive line? Like, what, what are we going to do here? I, you, you got several of them back. I mean, you're number 24 in returning production on offense. But if the offensive line is used to doing things a certain way and then they have to pass block, well, that's a whole different beast. That changes the whole, the whole thing. Looking at the defense, Will Harris coached uh, defensive backs at Washington and did a pretty damn good job. Look at some of the guys he's putting in the NFL. But... uh. But he is going to be their new defensive coordinator. You got 12 guys coming back with 200-plus snaps. Uh, talent isn't bad down there. You, you look at the, the roster strength, it's not awful. Um, the front seven was pretty good against the run last year. They were number 65. That's the one shining spot. That was the one bright spot for Georgia Southern's defense. They were number 64 in success rate, number 81 in yards per rush. Like No, it wasn't great, but it wasn't, it wasn't as bad as some of the other stuff that they, that they did. Uh, the secondary returns the most experience, but again, number 102 success rate allowed, number 118 QBR allowed, 
Like, are they going to be able to improve under this new DC? That's that's the question. Again, all these teams, I got a lot of questions about. Uh, there's nothing definitive about these teams. Um, the keys to the season here, I, I wrote down teams that have moved away from the option have not been very successful. And think about Bill Callahan and Nebraska. And then think about Georgia Tech right now and the difficulties that they've had from moving to the trip or from the triple into a more pro style or something where you throw the ball more often, for sure. And it takes a long time. But maybe, maybe bringing in those transfers can speed up that process. But how do you shift the fundamentals for 77% of your returning production on offense? That's the question. Defense shouldn't matter that much. But on the other side, it can get real tricky. We'll see what they end up doing when you bring in a, a signal caller that really knows what he's doing, like Cal Van Trees. Uh, he's a veteran. He's been running a pro style for a long time. I would imagine that they're okay, but again, roster strength, all the turnover, etc. I don't think this is going to be an easy year, especially in this division. I mean, good gracious, this division. And they're non-conference. They play at Nebraska, at UAB, and they play Ball State. Why? Why do it to yourself? I mean, those are all teams that, even if you were, like, really good, even if you weren't in the middle of a transition, those would still be really difficult outs. So, why? I've got this team sitting at 3-9. and nine. Projected SP Plus record from Bill Connolly is 5-7. and seven. I don't see the 5-7. and seven. I, You know, I think losing the coach, uh, and I, I'm not a... I, I don't believe that much in Clay Helton. I think he can be good there long-term, and if you're going to let him switch it over from the triple, obviously you've got to give him a long time. You've got to be dedicated to the process. I just, I don't see it. I like the D.C. hire. I don't know much about the O.C. Like, I think most of what happened at Western Kentucky was Zach Kitley, but, well, and Bailey Zapp, of course. I'm just interested. I'm very interested in what they're going to do here uh, because I don't think they're going to be good this year I think it could take a little while before they get that roster up to snuff. I'll say that. And you know what else I'm curious about? I'm curious about Georgia Southern fans. From what I have understood about them over in Statesboro for a long time is they identified with the triple option. Their their team was a blue-collar, kick-your-ass kind of team. Like, everybody, everybody knows about the Gator, right? But I, I'm curious what the fans think about this hire. What do they think about this team, this style? Are they going to put up with this for a long time? Do they want to, do they care about getting more and more uh, competitive when it comes to championships in the Sun Belt? Or do they want to maintain that identity? When they moved away from uh, from Willie Fritz and then tried, you know, whatever the, the situation was, they tried to go a little pro style. Not a lot of people happy about that. They did Chad Lunsford, let him run the triple. Everything was good until it wasn't. But they were very happy with running the triple. They, they identified with that. So I'm curious. And if I'm wrong, you Georgia Southern fans, hop in here and let me know. I would like to hear from you. Jump into the comments for sure. But this is one I'm going to be keeping an eye on for quite some time. Quite some time. Another tricky one on the docket here. And this is a first-timer. To winning cures everything, really. The James Madison Dukes. Kurt Signetti is the head coach, went 12 and 2 in FCS last year. This will be their first year in the FBS. 
you look at the returning production, this was not the ideal season for them to jump into FBS. I will say that. Uh, number 97 in returning production, that's 56%. Number 76 on offense. Number 106 on defense. Roster strength? Yeah, it ain't there. It ain't there. Number 124 when it comes to recruiting, experience, etc. That's certainly not good. Number 106 on offense, number 130 on defense. That's via the guys over at CFB Winning Edge, uh, Nick and those guys. I Let's talk about the offense first. Kurt Signetti built a ton of depth, already basically had an FBS-level offense. Three returning offensive linemen, average six foot four, 318 pounds, but your quarterback, your running back, and all but one wide receiver are gone. So you've got the offensive line that could theoretically compete in the FBS. Of course, you're competing in this division, which I believe is the best division in all of the G5. I mean, this... This lineup of teams is just absurd. You got great coaches, you got great talent, you got I mean, this is this is a murderer's row for any of these teams. So this is really, really difficult. Uh the Colorado State quarterback Todd Centio transferred in along with the running back AJ Davis out of Pitt. And they brought in wide receiver uh Kobe White from Boston College. Those guys should help, right? They've been around the block, they know what they're doing, they should help, and there there's talent there. Uh, but again, it's not experience. It's not experience in this system, et cetera. I, I do trust Kurt Signetti. I, I think he's a really, really good coach. Remember, JMU was the number two in FCS for a decade. I mean, a long, long time. Uh, Mike Houston, who was the or who is the head coach at East Carolina and has done a pretty good job with the Pirates over the last three years, he was JMU's coach. Kurt Signetti kept that ball rolling. Can he keep the ball rolling as they move into FBS on the defense? There are studs on the defensive line and in the secondary. Linebacker looks weak talent-wise, I suppose. But again, we'll see. If you're well-coached, it doesn't necessarily matter which talent rating was, which your recruiting ranking was. Chris and I talk about this all the time. Uh, was This team was number five in yards per rush allowed in FCS. They were number seven in scoring defense, number two in tackles for loss, number one in turnovers forced, but how does that translate, again, to the best division in the G5? How does that translate? We understand what it's like in FCS, but they just overwhelmed everybody. Everybody in FCS, aside from North Dakota State, I suppose. Uh, I got no idea what to expect here. Uh, this is a strange one because you know how good this team has been, but this is a whole new level of class in this division. They have been incredibly well coached, but again, what does the... What does it look like? How does it translate? They can't bowl this year, uh, but I am interested in what they look like. I'm really interested in what they look like this year. I have them going five and six. If you're going to have a losing season, it's probably the year to do it. Again, in that transition year, they only scheduled 11 games. They might look for an FCS team to play in week three or, uh, or on Halloween weekend, somewhere around there, just to get up to 12. But as of right now... Yeah, you know, why? You're not going bowling anyway. What does it matter? So, uh, very curious. Kurt Signetti, I think, is a, a fine, fine coach. I think he's going to do good things. It just may take a little while to get acclimated to the Sun Belt and, and playing in FBS. They, they don't have a ton of... Looking at their schedule, by the way, uh, they open Middle, Middle Tennessee. They got Norfolk State. 
let's see, at App State, Texas State. Uh, they do play at Louisville. That is uh, one of their non-cons. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what ends up happening here. Um, moving on. Moving on. Let me write down where I am. We've only got two more to go. The Marshall Thundering Herd. Charles Huff. Last year, a decent enough first year. Went 7-6. and six. Post-game win expectancy showed 7.32 and 4.68. So 7-5, and five, somewhere around there. Uh, Marshall did lose the bowl game here. Uh, they were 6-7 and seven against the spread last year, so it, about what you would expect. Their projected SP Plus record this year is 8-4. and four. Returning production number 79 in the country, bringing about 59%. Uh, and their roster strength, surprisingly really, really good, which could lead to them unexpectedly competing in this division. Remember, this is another one of those teams that was in Conference USA, is jumping up to the Sun Belt, and... They are going to deal with uh, a little bit more difficult division than anything that they faced in the in Conference USA. Uh, how about this? Retract that little bit part, and let's just say this is a major step up in class. At, going to play App State, Georgia State, Coastal Carolina, etc. Pretty big. Pretty big difference between that and Conference USA. Now, Marshall did have to play Western Kentucky, and they played UTSA. There are some really good teams in Conference USA. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying, overall, this is a a big step up in class. Offensive coordinator here is Clint Trickett. He takes over uh, after last year's OC moved over to Memphis. Um, He was the wide receivers coach and the passing game coordinator last year. Clint Trickett was. The quarterback, Grant Wells, transferred out. I don't know if that's good or bad. Their turnover margin was number 107. And while Grant Wells could fling the ball around, he did have some of those games where he was throwing three and four interceptions. And it got very frustrating very quickly. I will say that. He's got a ton of talent, but turned the ball over way too much last year. Just way too much. Um, On top of that, they weren't exactly explosive last season. Number 116 in explosive play rate on offense. What is Texas Tech transfer Henry Columbia going to look like behind an offensive line that only returns one starter? I I can't answer that right now. I, I think they brought in some dudes think they've got some talent, but you don't have a lot of experience here. Uh, looking at the returning production on offense, they're number 101 in the country, bringing 51% back. How many guys can you get in that will understand what Clint Trickett wants them to do? That's what we got to see. Wide receivers, Corey Gamage, Shahid Ahmed, running back Rasheen Ali, they are all super exciting. Uh, on top of that, everything here is going to depend on the offensive line and the quarterback. Like Henry Columbia was okay for Matt Wells at Texas Tech. But obviously, there's a reason why he transferred. So, what does he look like? Is is he going to be good? I think he's the best they got on the roster right now. So, we'll, I, I would imagine he he wins that job. On defense, defense coordinators Lance Guidry, former McNeese State head coach, uh, had a really good first season last year. The defense was good against the pass last year. Number 35 success rate allowed. Uh, looks to be, again, with pass rushers and the cornerbacks returning. Turnover at safety and defensive tackle to me, is their biggest issue. Like, can they improve against the run? They were number 68 in success rate allowed, number 77 in yards per rush allowed. I, I'm curious. I, the defense was pretty good last year. Not not quite as good as the offense, but pretty good. But when you're only bringing back 67% on defense, only 51% on offense, you're going to have a lot of new pieces. Just a lot of new pieces. On top of that... Um, 
let's jump into the keys of the season here. You got to hope that the quarterback, Columbia, and the new offensive line develop quickly. You got to stop beating yourself. They were number 116 in the country in interceptions thrown last year. Again, Grant Wells is now at Virginia Tech. Uh, they were number 105 in fumbles lost as well. So it wasn't all on Grant Wells. Uh, they were number 76 in penalties per game. That's reasonable. If you're going to be aggressive on offense and defense, you're going to have those. Uh, on on the other side, got to find a way for the defense to develop in the middle of the line and the middle of the secondary, and you got to find a way to stop the run. That's the biggest thing. And they were okay at it, but you you got to be better, especially in this division. So I've got this team at eight and four. I think that's a little higher than some people have them now. Projected SP Plus actually has them at eight and four, but I look at the schedule, I, I see another confusing outing because we saw last year they lost to some teams that they probably shouldn't have lost to, and they beat some teams that, based on those other losses, they probably shouldn't have beaten. This was a very confusing team last year, and I think they'll be the same way again. I think they'll be the exact same way again, but we'll see. Uh, Manageable opening schedule, although they do have three straight road games after that opening uh, weekend game against Norfolk State. But yeah, eight and four looks reasonable here. I I could see this team being six and six, you know, somewhere around there. I could see them being... Nine and three. There's enough talent here for them to be really good if everything clicks. But I I just think eight and four sounds reasonable. Maybe seven and five. Somewhere around that seven and a half game range. We'll see what the win total is when it comes out over the summer. But that would be my guess. My my guess is the win total will be seven and a half, and I'd probably take the over. Because I, I like the talent on this team. And I like Clint Trickett. I, I think the defensive coordinator, Gidry's pretty good. We'll roll with that. We'll roll with that. All right, last one on the slate here. The Old Dominion Monarchs. Surprising team last year. Surprising team. Went 6-7 and seven overall. Won their last five games and made it to a bowl game. Opened up 1-6 and six last year. And, and then won their last five to get to the Myrtle Beach Bowl. Now, they got trounced by Tulsa, but regardless... Uh, their postgame win expectancy last season was 6.83 and 5.17, which reads out as about 7-5. and five. Should have been 7-5, and five, ended up 6-6. Six and six. Yeah, you get it. Ricky Ronnie has done a pretty good job recruiting and whatnot so far. It's going to take a long time to build this roster up. You're going to have to have more seasons like you had last season. I don't think this season is it. I don't think this one's it. This schedule is brutal. They're not conference was brutal. Uh, Virginia Tech at East Carolina, at Virginia, and you got Liberty. I don't know that they can win any of them. Let me take that back. They can win. I don't know that they will. This is a tough, tough slate for the non-con. And then, of course, like I said, this division is just brutal. Uh, Looking at the offense, quarterback Hayden Wolf is back, and he's exciting, but yeah, they got back uh, the running back Watson, three starting wide receivers led by Jennings and uh, the tight end Koontz, and, of course, four offensive line starters. They are number three in the country in offensive returning production. That is awesome. But does experience mean improvement? Remember, they were number 91 in PPA per drive on offense last year. That is not good. Now, obviously, it did get better towards the end of the season, but that was when they were playing uh, some lesser-than opponents, I'll say. Lesser-than, roundabout. On top of that, there's no lesser thans on this schedule this year. You don't have any way to get your feet wet when you open up with Virginia Tech at East Carolina and at Virginia. I mean, this is it's brutal, just brutal. Uh, 
the passing success rate was number 100, and ODU's quarterbacks were number 107 in QBR last year. Again, the questions, does experience mean improvement? I can't stress enough how many times we've talked about, yeah, returning production is great, but when the returning production was not good, it's not like they're all of a sudden going to get better. We'll see. We'll see what this means. Uh, The defense, by the way, number 63 in returning production, way off from the offense. Defense was good last year, but the problem is they lose some of that defense. Uh, Three-fifths of the secondary are gone, uh, along with the star linebacker, Jordan Young. I mean, they kind of led this team last year. Can the young guys maintain that number 36 PPA per drive allowed? I'm going to doubt it. They got experienced depth at linebacker, like plenty at defensive line. They got six guys with 330-plus snaps from last year. They got four guys with 200-plus snaps coming back at linebacker. Secondary only has three guys with 400-plus snaps. Uh, you know, okay, this is this is a tough, tough situation. They only brought in four transfers. They lost 11. But again, they're building this through high school recruiting, and I understand why Ricky Ronnie would want to do that. So, they started again one and six last year, finished five and zero, oh, then got trounced in the Myrtle Beach Bowl. Uh, the first three non-con games are pretty rough. Road slate looks impossible. The road slate, by the way, at Coastal, at Georgia State, at App State, at South Alabama. <laughs> I mean, who who did this to them? This is just wrong, just wrong. Uh, a bowl game this year is is going to be difficult, even with so much experience returning from a team that made a bowl last year. Uh, there are playmakers and potential superstars, but the roster lacks talented depth. I, you know, we'll we'll see what this looks like. This is another CUSA team that's that's making the move up, and and again, this is a brutal division. This is tough. This is going to be really really difficult. So uh, I've got them three and nine. I don't like it. I hope that they do well. I like the Monarchs. I like what they're building there. I, I like the logo. I like. Uh, it, the stadium. I like all this stuff around them. But man, this step up in, in divisions is rough. I think it's going to be a really rough first year. Three and nine for Old Dominion. All right. Chris will be back with us next week. I won't be hosting solo. So you're welcome. <laughs> but with that said, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. You guys take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and hopefully all of your tickets cash this week. Thanks for checking out Winning Cures Everything. If you want to keep up with us, hit subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. Visit the website at winningcureseverything.com or you can like us on Facebook or follow us at Winning Cures, at GaryWCE, or at Chris B. Giannini on Twitter. Share out the show, leave a nice review, and make sure to comment and tweet at us. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line. 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.